Well, never a dull moment in politics, or at least not often. And this week brought a whole lot of high drama. Let's start in Alberta, where the battle for leadership of the United Conservative Party took another unexpected turn this week. A sudden change in format for a leadership review of Premier Jason Kenney meant to take place in person on April the 9th. It won't. Cries of foul play from within his own party. And this Take No Prisoners fight saw recordings of comments Kenny made comparing political opponents in his party to insects and calling them lunatics. Kennedy says the party is under siege from extremist elements seeking a hostile takeover by toppling him in that leadership review. And no, he will not apologize. Here's what he had to say. Uh, I have seen uh, a growing number of voices from the far margins of uh, Alberta politics that are, uh, I would say, extreme and have been trying to get involved in the leadership process in our party. That does concern me. These marginal voices do not represent Albertans. They certainly do not represent the United Conservative Party. But I am determined to ensure that such uh, hateful, extreme and divisive voices do not find a home in this mainstream, broad Conservative Party. Well, who needs the Oscars when you have Alberta politics? Joining me now is Dave Breckenridge, managing editor of the Edmonton Journal and Edmonton Sun and host of the 10-3 podcast. Thanks so much for being here tonight. Oh, it's a pleasure to be on the show, Ben. <laughs> so it's sometimes, you know, there's been so much going on everywhere this week. Sometimes you look away from Alberta politics for a few days and everything turns upside down again. It's been another one of those weeks. What's up with this leadership review? How did the rules change? <laughs> well, I mean... It's funny, Alberta politics, never a dull moment in Alberta politics, and it's been like that for, I would argue, the last 10 years. But I was I was listening to your interview with National Post writer Tristan Hopper last week, and, you know, he, he talked about how Quebec politics and Ontario politics and B.C. politics, they always have something on the go, but it's never quite as out there as Alberta. And right now is a prime example of that. So Jason Kenney was facing a leadership review um it was a, a leadership review that was kind of pushed to be earlier because people were upset with how he had handled the pandemic from within his own party. And it was supposed to be April 9th. It was going to be in person in Red Deer. If you want to vote, you have to show up. And and party officials were telling all of us in the media and in the party, that's the best way to protect the integrity of the vote, to have an in-person vote. And then what was originally anticipated to be a couple thousand turned to more than 10,000 uh, there was concern we could see as many as 20,000 people sign up to go vote in Red Deer. One official compares it to the record run that uh, Garth Brooks had a few years back uh, at Rogers Place in Edmonton. So the, the party says, well, that's too many people to come to Red Deer. That's just, we can't do that. So party officials say it has to switch to mail-in ballots. And this is after the deadline to buy memberships, and it just creates a whole host of controversy for the premier and now we even have his own backbenchers suggesting that this process is ripe for manipulation and even the party official who was saying previously that an in-person vote was the only way to protect the integrity of the vote is now saying we got to do it mail-in we we have to switch it up it's the only way that we can do this fairly 
It's going to take a. Apparently, I, I was reading. It's going to take a long time now to figure out what the results of this vote are. And meanwhile, and, and I, this is just an outsider's point of view. Meanwhile, this sort of battle royal within the UCP goes on. And for listeners who forget, because we talked about this with Tristan Hopper last week, Brian Jean, who uh, is not a fan of Jason Kenney's, uh, was elected to Jason Kenney's party in a by-election in uh, Fort McMurray, Lac La Biche a few weeks ago. He's now in MLA. So, you know, the rivals are within the party and things look like they're coming apart at the seams a little bit. But some of this, the comments Kenny had about this week about in, comparing people in his own party to insects, I mean, this is getting, this is getting pretty bizarre. Yeah. It, it is, the whole thing is bizarre. I mean, first off, you have people who up until, I mean, up until the pandemic for sure, but even up until as recent as a few months ago, were, were supporters of the premier. And, and these backbenchers are now saying that um, it's a circus, a disaster. The process is ripe for manipulation. And then on top of that, we have this leaked audio that comes out and there's, I know there's been a lot of speculation on social media tonight that the premier uh, and his and his staff leaked it themselves to distract from other issues going on. I don't necessarily buy that, but that's that's how crazy it's gotten here. Is that people are convinced that the premier is is doing uh, the leaking of damaging audio to distract from other damaging stories that are going on. But so we have the premier basically saying, you know, if it's not me leading the UCP, it's going to be you know, taken over by extremists and people that don't represent the mainstream of the party. And look, the, the premier has been, unlike in other provinces, where you had, you know, in, in BC, you had John Horgan come in and, and bring in COVID-19 measures. And there were people who were against the measures, but they weren't from within his own government, right? Jason Kenney brings in COVID-19 measures and he's criticized from the opposition, the NDP, people on the left, the medical community saying he's not doing enough to keep people safe from COVID-19. But then he has people from within his own party saying, you're going way too far. This is too much. We've had, you know, dissident uh, MLAs. We had two MLAs kicked out of caucus uh, within the last year. Um, and we've had others kind of not necessarily sanctioned, but they had a, a talking to by the, the by the premier, and and so we now we have the premier saying that these there are these extremists within the party that are trying to take over the party. He said something along the lines of the inmates are trying to take over the asylum, which is just <laughs> for for a, a, the leader to say that about factions within his own party, either you know in private on a recording. But I I know that when when questioned about it, the premier's office said this. this reflects previously made statements in the in the public sphere <laughs> i mean obviously uh, obviously it's kind of all a war going on right now with the ucp so i mean are we going to see jason kenny lose this and sort of is he is he in any position now it feels like with that many people signing up uh it feels like he's in a position to get to get voted as, as leader of his own party while being premier which is astounding in of itself i mean that is a it's definitely a possibility. There's there's all sorts of talk, and you know my colleagues at Post Media, Don Braid at the Calgary Herald, Rick Bell at the Calgary Sun, have, have written columns to the the effect that Jason Kenney and the UCP are making these changes to for mail-in ballots to protect Jason Kenney's political fortunes. That you know by um, changing the deadline, changing the window for and method by which people can vote in this in this leadership review, it gives people in his camp the opportunity to 
sell more memberships, get more ballots out to people. Uh, obviously, there are people, you know, his main political opponent within the party, Brian Jean, who's alleging all sorts of, you know, underhanded tactics. The word fraud is being thrown around. There's no proof that there's any fraud at this point. But Alberta politics being what they are, the other big story this week came by way of uh, CBC journalist Carolyn Dunn, who was going through... Um, court documents related to a bunch of people who were fined by uh, Alberta elections for their role in this so-called kamikaze campaign in the 2017 UCP leadership race. And it detailed right. allegations that Jason Kenney was in the room when this so-called kamikaze campaign was hatched. And that leads people to believe that, you know, if Jason Kenney is going to, you know, go out of his way to discredit Brian Jean in the last leadership race by having a, a kind of a stooge candidate involved, then what is he going to do with, you know, an extra 40 days of mail-in ballots? It, <laughs> it wow. does boggle the mind. Like it, it's it does hard to keep track. There's so much. It does. And just for listeners of the, the kamikaze candidate was essentially brought in to take away votes from his main rival, Brian Jean. He ended up winning. Jean ended up losing. Jean left the party. Now he's back. One of the reasons in a nutshell in sort of in almost high drama, one of the reasons they really don't like each other and are facing off again. Uh, some other big news this week. I know you covered this on your Ten Three podcast because I was listening it to to it earlier. I guess we'll reverse roles here because now I'll ask you questions. But uh, we'll talk about that NDP Liberal deal, coalition alliance, whatever you want to call it. Uh, after this, and who wins and who loses, and what does it do to the Conservatives? I think it's good for them, but we'll talk about it after this. I'm speaking with Dave Breckenridge, managing editor of the Edmonton Journal and the Edmonton Sun, host of the 10-3 podcast. We've been talking about the high drama in um, Alberta politics. And we go from sort of interscene warfare, let's call it the family feud, to the beautiful wedding, I guess, this week in, in <laughs> Ottawa between uh, Justin Trudeau and Jagmeet Singh. Uh, the Liberals and the NDP announcing this coalition, or like, we, well, let's not call it a coalition. I keep falling into that trap. Um, it's a supply and supply and confidence agreement, which essentially means that the NDP will support uh, the Liberals on things that matter, confidence votes over the next several years till 2025, essentially allowing Justin Trudeau to stay in power for uh, three more years. And so uh, it was certainly lauded by those who announced it, the Liberals and the NDP. It seemed to make heads explode in many parts of the country where Justin Trudeau is not particularly popular, nor is the NDP. Uh, what did you make of it? I thought the timing was weird. I mean, six months after they were elected. But, you know, I, I guess we, listening to them talk about it, it makes some sense. Yeah, you know, I was kind of caught by the timing as, as well. The, just the idea that we are six months past the last election, and normally these kind of things are announced around an election because you know you you elect a minority government and they need to figure out how they're going to keep the confidence of the house and there's probably all sorts of negotiations and horse trading and and ultimately they may come to an agreement with some parties but i got the sense i was talking with uh, christopher nardi uh, one of our political reporters for post media uh, on the 10 3 podcast as you mentioned and and he figures that these negotiations have been going on for a while and it maybe just took the parties that long to to come to some kind of agreement and, you know, and what the Liberals were willing to give up to have the support of the NDP, you know, as it stands now, it's, it's a more than three year agreement. And so obviously there needed to be some big, big ticket items that the NDP would want to get in exchange for their support on confidence matters and supply matters in the house. And so the timing, I guess at first it, it caught me by surprise, but just kind of thinking about it in that lens, it, it does make a, a bit of sense. 
I think just overall, it was, you know, what I found most interesting about it was the idea that it was somehow like underhanded or, or something that, you know, good governments just don't do, you don't you know, don't yeah. have an agreement with the opposition. I get it. Like, I, I get why um, the Bloc Québécois may not be happy. I get why the Conservatives aren't necessarily happy and will use it gleefully as a way to um, beat the... use it as a cudgel with which to beat the, the government in the, in the House of Commons. Um, you're already seeing it from some of the Conservative leadership candidates like Pierre Polyev is, you know, it's the, the Trudeau the Justin, the Trudeau Singh alliance. And, you know, it's just going to make the just inflation worse to, to use the, the term that he likes to throw around. But, you know, this is how minority parliaments kind of work, right? It, it, it just maybe is not as common where you see two parties come together and say, okay, we're going to support each other or we're going to support the government all the way through the next election cycle. We don't see that very often, but, you know, Stephen Harper had to govern with minority parliaments from 2006 to 2011. And so he had to, I know he prorogued parliament in there. We had a 2008 election, um, but it's not uncommon for governments to try and, and work with other parties. So, I mean, that's kind of how the system is set up. And I think that's something that got lost in the discussion the other day. But I'm not surprised that it turned into its own set of fireworks in, in Ottawa. Yeah, I mean, it was certainly time for, for a bit of a lesson on parliamentary democracy, because, of course, minority governments always see things like this. And then there was the whole thing about it being a backroom deal. And someone said, well, I've never seen a front lawn deal. You know, it's, um, mm -hmm. you know, this, this is pretty straightforward political stuff. I guess it's certainly the one thing that I found interesting about it is that the liberals have always been so affected of, of kind of weaving through the middle of Canadian politics, like leaning left when they need to, leaning back into the center when they need to. And this strikes me as sort of painting them very much on one side and allowing the Conservatives, regardless of who becomes the leader, allowing the Conservatives, as you mentioned, to use it as a cudgel against them and then shift into that middle space as well, depending on who they elect, obviously. It just felt like mm -hmm. tactically a strange move from the Liberals because the NDP weren't going to bring down this government. They have no money. Uh, the Conservatives don't have a leader. The Bloc have no interest in having another election. It felt like the Liberals could have governed for a while longer without having to make any kinds of deals with anyone. I think this just gives them that, you know, depending if the conservative leadership race is going to wrap up in September, you could see um, the conservatives try and maneuver to bring down parliament in a minority government to try and get an election where at a point where Trudeau is, is in some circles, not very popular, as, as you mentioned. Um, it is, it is one of those things that I wondered about this idea that the liberals uh, taking too big of a step to the left and kind of vacating the middle. But I, on the flip side, if you look at Justin Trudeau's record as prime minister, he, he's never you know, exactly been the most centrist of liberals, even in terms of spending. There was early on talked about, you know, balancing the budget or, or you know, having a small deficit. And then it's, it's ballooned even before COVID. The, the province's books weren't exactly the cleanest. Or they're not the province, sorry. The, the federal government's books weren't, weren't balanced. And it's only gotten worse since then. Uh, if that's the kind of thing, if, that, if that's the kind of issue you care about, you've never seen Justin Trudeau as a centrist liberal. Um, and so for him to step further to the left, I think even he realizes that the, the, the best way for him to be successful in an election is to eat up NDP votes. He's not going to win over many conservative supporters. Um, even even red Tories aren't necessarily going to vote Justin Trudeau. So he, I, I see it as, as the calculus being, I'm going to, take votes away from Jagmeet Singh and the NDP, which is a big risk for the NDP in this deal. 
right? You have all of these things that the NDP has wanted, a pharmacare uh, program, changes to how we vote in elections, uh, dental care program. The NDP can say all they want that it, you know, it was our cooperation that brought these things in and we forced the government to act on these issues that matter to us. But for a lot of voters, it will just matter who did it in the end. I, who was the government I, that signed off on that legislation? Exactly. Dave Breckenridge, I've taken up too much of our time. Oscars, yes or no? I used to watch it way more often. I, I may tune in for a bit, but, you know, I haven't seen enough of the movie this year. I, you know, I don't, I don't watch yeah. as much movie, as many movies on TV. I haven't been to the theater that often. I'm just, the, the, the things that I'm kind of upset about, um, nothing for oh. Daniel Craig for his swan song as James Bond, and Denis Villeneuve, uh, not a director oh. nominee uh, for Dune. So I'm kind of upset about that, but I may tune in. Oh. Oh, good luck. David Brinkeridge, thank you so much. Thank you so much for joining us today. I appreciate it. Thanks.